listening to Dead Air Podcast, part of splatterpictures.net. What's up, everybody? Wes, Dead Air Knife here with Always. Typical Lydia. Today's show going to be doing the 2005 remake classic House of Wax. Blah, 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 blah. I was wondering if you were going to make like a drippity noise or like a crackling wick noise or how are you going to blah, 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 blah. Because it's the bubbly wax. Bubbling wax. Okay. Yeah. I could start singing some uh, new metal or <laughs> something like that. If we wanted to. Some My Chemical Romance. Some My Chemical Romance. Marilyn Manson. Disturbed, you'd point out. Yeah, there out. was just some Disturbed yeah. in this. This. Vandals. Th- there was a lot. There was some, a good mix of punk, new metal, and actually good music. <laughs> oh, my God. Never underestimated how finicky you are about music. Um, I kept making jokes about they couldn't afford Marilyn Manson. I couldn't afford Marilyn Manson until I looked at the soundtrack. And I was like, oh, yeah, there's some Marilyn Manson. They could afford Marilyn Manson. Music to transition scenes is has become old hat. And that's fine and all. But it's also so weird to me how little of a song they end up playing. Because everyone was doing like the... The John Hughes thing where they're, oh, we can put contemporary music in, in in movies and it makes it seem relevant. Well, he used entire songs practically to backdrop a scene, whereas people changed that to, well, we're going to use a, a snippet of this, like five seconds of this song, and we're going to cut it off awkwardly just to transition over a car driving to a place or whatever, and they do that a lot in this film, but it's something that really sticks out in my mind as a really weird use of music. I don't think that you need to put a contemporary song with lyrics over a transition scene like that because it makes it, it actually bothers my brain to hear a snippet of a song and it cuts out like mid-sentence. Especially, like one thing with John Hughes, he was like, hey, hey, you, yeah, you. You know this song. You like this song. I like this song. That's why I'm starting it at the fucking beginning, where you ought to. And I'm going to play as much of it as I fucking can for you, for you Mm -hmm. who's listening. That is what John Hughes did, and it worked so well, right? Whether Mm. you like that music or not at the time or after or before, like Mm -hmm. it still works to this day on on people. But this is like, hey, you, fuck you. I know you like this song or part of it or one of these 10 songs. They have a score too. They couldn't rely on the score. They do, yeah. The score is not bad. The score is actually very good. True. Um, ramping it up. Although I will say that I couldn't pick this score out of a no. thousand films. Like it's nothing very distinct. It could have been reused in a thousand films. You wouldn't know. Yeah. It, or it could have been if you went online to get some uh, music that. Uh, that you can non-copywritten music that you could use for your intense thriller scene mm-hmm. could be any one of those tracks that they're playing. Um, not to like, I, I'm not shitting on this movie. I do like this movie. Um, this is a Lydia pick, by the way, this is a Lydia pick. So hate mail, send it this way. Yeah. I don't think we've ever gotten hate mail. 
No, we haven't. Come on, guys. Hate mail, I said. Send it this way. No, I can't deal with that. I'm too sensitive. Uh, no, I'm what, too busy. What made you want to try this one out? I was so pleasantly surprised by this movie. I don't know about most people who would have picked this up uh, 2006-ish or whenever. Uh, I picked it up because I rented it. And it was literally to see Paris Hilton die. That was the reason mm-hmm. I picked this up. I didn't expect it to be any good. Mm-hmm. But then I didn't know that it was from the same people who had brought us one of my favorites, 13 mm-hmm. Ghosts. Mm-hmm. I did not know that. Yeah. Till now. But I was pleasantly surprised because within moments I realized, oh, she's playing this straight. They've cast her legitimately. She's yeah. an actress. She's not Paris Hilton. Yeah. Okay. Well, like So within moments I was I was done with that of a shitty attitude of mine mm-hmm. and i really enjoyed it and then i really enjoyed the the twist on house of wax i really enjoyed where they took it how they modernized it how much more deep and rich of a story it is now in this and i really enjoyed the effect so and i really enjoyed paris Hilton's performance on top of all of that mm-hmm. and i found it to be like a really undersung like movie and then to hear other people criticize it specifically to criticize it because of paris hilton in a Mm. lot of ways which is ridiculously unfair because it is a very good movie a lot like 13 ghosts was a really good movie where people would make fun of uh, what's his face there shaggy matthew lillard yeah Mm -hmm. who who did very well and i thought he was a a perfect fit for that no one else could have really played that the way he did Mm. and no one else could have really played this uh you know, blonde bombshell who's uptight about being pregnant and not so uptight about camping out <laughs> like yeah. Paris Helton did here. Yeah, I think that anytime that you cast somebody who at the time is quote unquote overexposed and people have uh, a lot of opinions about, I mean, people had a lot of opinions about uh, Paris Helton um, as somebody who was pretty much the age demographic to for you know the the age demographic that you would try to sell a Paris Hilton to I didn't have a visceral hatred for because I don't I, I like I don't get into that you know when people are pissing on Paris Hilton or the Kardashians or any one of these like quasi celebrities that are famous for more or less being themselves or and they break through with a sex tape or and then they start producing <clears throat> I mean she's more known to me for having a dog in a bag yeah and and, and again like everything 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 else that she's done so far has outshone how she sort of got out into the public consciousness the way that she did but people can't seem to let that go and it's really weird and puritanical to me where Someone's like, hey, do you remember? You remember that? I was like, barely. I barely remember that <laughs> fucking sex tape because I remember stills <clears throat> of it, seeing stills of it in newspapers. And like, stuff. I, and, and again, people who want to criticize this movie, they feel like they can't enjoy something because somebody very famous for a reason that the public has deemed unworthy. Oh, you, we don't. Oh, you're a famous person, but for some reason, I don't like how you're famous. I don't, I don't like the music that you produce, and I don't like that you're a DJ, and I don't like reality TV. So, so I don't approve of your celebrity. And so, if you try to just, because this movie really strikes me as, yeah, Paris Hilton decided to use 
the the heat that she got from you know doing the reality TV and then and then the the, the controversy around her is like yeah I'll try acting and I'll do this and I'll be in a horror movie but it didn't look like she was doing anything other than being what a lot of young actresses are and they just want to do a horror movie to get their foot in the door and they just she's just doing a horror movie like and she's not playing a Paris Hilton character no and you had pointed out when we watched this. It could have been anybody in this role and it would have been serviceable. It would have been any other girl in a body count film that's not the final girl who, you know, gets chased through a a boiler room. Could have been any girl at the beginning of Psycho, too. Could have been any girl at the beginning of Scream, too. But Any girl, yeah. And Paris Hilton lasts. She's no final girl. No. But she lasts a long time and has a a rich role and -hmm. contributes to the plot and Mm -hmm. could also, yes, have been played by anybody. So it's just a nice, typical, run-of-the-mill, check-in-a-horror movie. The the kind of girl in a horror movie we come out to see. Yeah. I liked it. I liked her in it. I liked her in Repo Genetic Opera as well. Me too. And and initially, uh, um, that was when Repo was pitch to me it was like paris hilton's in it but don't worry and and i was like i was like yeah i guess there's so much more going on there yeah i was like don't worry but again it's that it's that people are so fucking scared to be called out as frauds or to be or to to i find this like a lot of people who like revel in counterculture and they feel like if you like Anything that even in tangentially involves something mainstream, they fucking clench their assholes. And there was a real fear of that for many people in any sort of counterculture group or like in any sort of fringe demographic and being a goth or a punk. I mean, the biggest fear is to be labeled as a poser or a tourist. So yeah. like that is like so guarded. And then when that bled into a hipsterism or emos or whatever the next much larger counter-ish, culture-ish mm-hmm. group there was, that sort of fear of being called out bled into it too and was amped up like so many other things were parodied in mm. amongst these larger, more mainstream groups. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but you, of all my friends, are not afraid of that. No, I'm not. I don't, I don't let, I don't let anyone tell me what I'm allowed to like, what I'm allowed to listen to. If I want to listen to a pop song while also watching some crazy grindhouse film. I don't feel because as, as I, I think I tweeted a long time ago and I stand by this. It's like, I can dance around naked in my room to Madonna and I can still know more about horror than people who are criticizing my taste in music. So, and, and, and I was just like, it just seems so adolescent to me like it seems so childish to care one way or the other to deny myself any sort of joy because i i'm i'm worried that someone who i probably wouldn't even respect anyways because they're judging me on such weird um criteria but what i like about house of wax is i never got a sense while watching this movie that that the people who made it were trying to do anything other than just make a relatively entertaining and profitable movie that they thought that kids of the moment would appreciate. And so the movie, if nothing else, really tells you what they think kids of the moment of 2005 were into. Just all the the music that they chose, the actors, these were all people that were really well known for things like 
Gilmore Girls and One Tree Hill and and just like that young cool CW like dudes taking their shirts off type stuff and and so it it was really it, like again when you watch films like uh uh uh, uh Valentine and, and anything from that like uh, I know what you did last summer all of those types of films um it lets you know just who was in and who people they thought people would pay to see one of them, including Paris Holton in this case, Mm -hmm. but, but everyone is that sort of level of famous, like up and comers. And I think the guy who made this movie called them like the, the, the actors of tomorrow or something, some ridiculous shit like that. In some ways, very true. I mean, we'd, I'd already seen Alicia Cuthbert in 24 and thought of her as so chaste and virginal. So I was surprised she had breasts. That was really cool. So that probably did quite a bit to boost her Hollywood cred, um, Mm -hmm. especially who she was cast alongside. And then we saw that Jared man, um, mm-hmm. go on to supernatural fame. Yeah, and, and he was, before then, he was famous for, for Gilmore Girls, and then he went mm-hmm. and did the Friday the 13th remake. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, like, the dude the dude definitely stays in the realm of the spooky. He does, oh. which is cool. I almost thought that the car he was driving was the same car he drives in that supernatural show, but it's not. It's one year apart in a different make. One is a Dodge, one is a Chev. Mm-hmm. So... Interesting stuff. That would have been just a fun tidbit if it would have been the same car. But anyway, uh, you had had the same sort of take on J-Lo being in the cell. Yeah. How people shouldn't shortchange themselves by skipping a movie because they would think it's going to be a stinker because they don't like, like you said, what sort of music these people make. Because you're DJ, because you are this demographic or because you sell yourselves or had sold yourselves to this particular group mm. like get over it especially if they're a decent yeah. actor or actors yeah and as a give them a chance it's like you know everyone was giving shit to j-lo because she made music that people in, in horror wouldn't normally like jenny from the block man. she was jenny from the block and jenny from the block and you know she um she did a you know she's like this is made in Manhattan you fucking poser I don't want to watch that I was like don't, don't be yeah. fooled by the rocks that she's got <laughs> yeah yeah um again um and we'll we'll do um another film later where again like it has actors that could in some way or the other be distracting yeah um where like and one thing that I'll give to House of Wax is it's a nice transitioning transitionary film. From, quote unquote, the postmodern sheen that happened after Scream. And then this was back, you know, after 2001, when things got grimmer again in horror. And people wanted horror to stop being so goddamn self-aware and being like, horror movies, right, guys? To going back to really more like what horror was like in the 1970s. And so you had this... Because, again, the Texas Chainsaw remake happened, and that was gorier and darker than its predecessor. And you had Saw, not necessarily gory, but dealing with some very dark themes and hostile, which is very gory. And you had Cabin Fever, and you had um, like films of that nature in and around here. And so one thing that struck me when, I was, when we first started watching House of Wax, because I had seen this before, but uh, not since probably... 
2005. Yeah. And I only remembered one scene from it. Which was hilarious. Yeah. And it was not- Because there's so many remarkable scenes in this. And I didn't remember any of it. In fact, I even misremembered Paris Hilton- getting turned into a wax statue. Ah. But then I just realized, oh, it was just like another random blonde yeah. melting wax face that that had nothing to do with anything. But um this this film really goes all in with um the gore and and again, it's not it's not characters saying dumb lines because they're supposed to say them because it's a horror movie. Again, this was back to basics. This was just people who wanted to make a profitable movie and they were sniffing the air to where they thought the audiences were going and the audiences were going towards darker, more violent, more visceral horror. And as far as the tone and the feel and the color of this film, it is very much dialed into a specific subset of teens in mm-hmm. 2005 for sure but they could have really shifted that color anywhere they want mm-hmm. um because they had on one hand saw and the more almost splatterpunk style of extreme ish films mm-hmm. that were hitting at that time with people kept calling torture porn um that was hitting really big in a really big way and doable uh with like really with really classic physical effects, too. Mm-hmm. You didn't have to have a huge budget or huge know-how. All that know-how was hammered out for people for the last 40 years in movies, the last 20 years in horror, and the last, like, 10 really hardcore by some superstar special effects wizards. So they had all that mapped out for them. That part's kind of easy if that's where you want to go. And then, on the other hand, they had that other fun thing of them being that particular house that they were, Dark Castle, who were taking these classics and, like, modernizing them, for lack of a better mm-hmm. term, and sexifying them to a yeah. certain degree and amping up the gore. Mm-hmm. And and again, they're, the, the first film that they had out the gate was um the the house on haunted hill remake again a film that uh that that's known classically as like the vincent price chiller and you know cobwebs and spookies and skeletons and all that kind of jazz and this sort of uh dry wit of vincent price again this film another uh remake but very much a remake in name only because the 1953 film uh house of wax uh in itself, not the original. The original being the 1933 mysterious House of Wax. I love that because it's sort of like that that elitist sort of thing you can do now, kids. You've, yeah. you've learned now. you learned now. So yeah. it's not just like the thing is a remake too, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's a remake of a remake. Ho, ho, ho. Ho, ho, yeah. ho. But whereas like Vincent, the Vincent Price film, which most people are familiar with probably mm-hmm. more uh, so – is is about a guy who is taking revenge on people for uh, the whole first 15 minutes of the 1953 House of Wax is like the whole last 10 minutes of the remake in which it's basically just a wax museum burning down. Mm-hmm. Um, the, and that the, is a Quasimodo story. Basically, yeah. yeah. And and there are elements of that in this film because you do have a... You know, slipknot looking motherfucker like walking around with a wax mask. Totally. And, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in this case, it really combines what House of Wax was to more of a body count film. I wouldn't necessarily call it a slasher because, um, 
there's just a lot more going on here than just the basic stock and slash. Although you do have a guy in a mask, you do have uh, stabbing and slashing happening. But since we've mostly met these guys though, and yeah. we've gotten to know them to a certain extent, and we know their names, mm-hmm. which is seems super important to me for some reason. I can't put my finger on it because I need like Amy here, or the girls from like Faculty of Horror, to come and tell me what it is that. I'm thinking so important about that because they're not just a, a nameless shape. True, but think about it in terms of like the the classic slashers. Um, you definitely knew them by legend. You knew them by campfire story. You knew them by you know old wizened men and women telling you about the horrific uh, you know the the blood black curse stars. exact <laughs> the blood curse or whatever have you. Yeah. But then of course we got into this. Um, that was when a lot of slasher franchises were becoming long in the tooth. And now there are, of course, people that were making films that were trying to emulate the formula of Halloween and Friday the 13th. So they were trying to like, almost like, you know, like Sega being like, we need a mascot like that Mario guy. And then you got Sonic the Hedgehog and then Crash Bandicoot. You kind of wanted, like people wanted to have like, well, we need a mask there's already a Jason and now there's a Michael. Could there be a Todd? Like there's, there's, there's definitely films that tried to do that, but a lot of the a lot of uh, slashers were also hinging on that mystery, up to and including slashers that a lot of modern audiences of the time would have been the most familiar with. So you had films like uh, Scream and I Know What You Did Last Summer and Urban Legend. These types of Valentine, yeah. these types of these teen slashers at the time were hinging on the mystery killer, and this even goes a step farther into having the dual killer aspect that scream had as well so you have um so i think what this flies in the face of is the fact that they tell you from the very beginning the names of these kids and then they show you their faces johnny cash looking motherfucker himself yeah coming out and being like oh no this is me and you know something is up and in a way, it's kind of like wrong turn where they're yeah. they do show a lot of uh the killer but it's always through hints and through trees and in shadow. Whereas they do kind of have their cake and eat it too with this film because one of the brothers is masked and he's got the long draping hair and he's hunched and he's wearing tattered rags essentially. Yeah. Um, going through catacombs beneath this hick town. So you got a lot of like Otis Firefly. Yes, exactly. By way of, I don't know who, I guess a little bit of Michael Myers in a way, because the way he stalks or a little bit of Leatherface. But like the Otis Firefly is a good is a good point because it is like that because there's that hillbilly twang to it. You yeah, know what I'm saying? There definitely is. And he's not like so big. I, f- I feel badly likening him to Michael Myers at all because he doesn't have a lot of that. It's but he yeah. has a certain mystique uh, yeah. in the shape of his mask, perhaps. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. That and and his, his compunction to kill, but like a lot of his male victims seem bigger and in better physical condition yeah. than he does. Yeah. We also get a little bit of Michael Myers flavor because um, the other brother, Bo, spends a lot of time in what looks like Michael Myers' outfit. He's yeah. in like a garage overalls. Mm-hmm. So very Michael Myers-ish there. And I like a lot of the wrong turnish hillbilly twang, as you put it, that's going on in this. And I'd said at the very beginning, the other brother, mm. you know, my Daryl, my brother Daryl, my other brother Daryl. Yeah. yeah. He's the other brother Daryl, which is a huge spoiler. 
spoiler alert. Sorry, guys. I ruined the whole end of the fucking movie, I guess. Who cares? Um, the, the other brother, Daryl, is the other brother. And he, I said while I was watching it, and I've said this about other characters in other films before, notably the guy in High Tension, I have could have been related to this guy. Yeah. Yeah. He's not far. You know, if you scruff up and smear some blood on one of my mom's cousins... They could play this role easy, yeah. you know, in their own truck. He could have been one of the people in the the town in Pumpkinhead, just like oh, totally, just like just like a very uh, a very hillbilly hillbilly who's in charge of roadkill. Yeah, in charge, large and in charge, <laughs> and he's in charge of the carcass pit that they frequent, which reminds me very much of the carcass pit a friend had described to me at one point. Where they dis- they disposed of all the farm animals and uh, refuse from hunting and stuff like that in this huge pit that they shared with a few pig farms out in British Columbia down the road from the Picton pig farm. And they oh. definitely did dump bodies in the same spot that my friend had dumped other animals. Fun. Fun stuff. It definitely sounds fun. It's a small world, man. Small, wonderful, little weird world. That's true. So these, because um, that's what I was going to ask you as someone, as a city slicker. I was like, do these uh, pits of dead animals exist do people do this oh definitely yeah it's not like that close to other people you don't want to catch that downwind and it's usually near a fucking farm or a few farmers have a, an agreement on a on a spot to do that yeah mm. where else are you gonna bury a horse good point yeah i never thought about that yeah there are crematoriums for farm animals but sometimes it's easier and makes more sense to just throw them in a pit. I don't know what the laws are surrounding that. Yeah. But it was common practice. Let nature take its course. Mm-hmm. So these teens, they're not even teens. They're like, they look like they're college age. College age-ish. What are they, what are they out there doing? What What is this movie even about anyway, Wes? This is a story about what happens when you want to go to a football game that seems super important to most of you, but you don't have tickets, and it's really far away. You also seem more intent on <coughs> tailgating, because I was freaked out that these people had tents, and they were willing to camp out. Because the first sign of trouble, they're like, let's just camp out. Let's just camp out on the side of the road. And I was like, who are you people? Yeah, like, I remember, like, back in those days... Um, I was dating someone who was really into, like, camping and stuff like that. But, but like, them and their friends weren't exactly, like, rustic people. They were, they were like, city people who just liked to go camping and, and stuff. And, and so, and even how, like, Paris Hilton's dressed in, like, the primary blue, like, sweatsuit. I was like, oh, yeah, that's exactly how all they all dressed when they were out camping. They were just, like very brightly colored maybe it's because they didn't want to get shot by a deer hunter but like that makes a lot of sense but um yeah i don't know like i i think they knew that they were gonna have to camp out at some point or yeah they were just gonna tailgate with this massive tent or maybe he's just always prepared to to go he doesn't seem like the type he's a he's a rapper football fan that's just like to me is the antithesis of having a fucking tent in your truck. He's not just a rapper football fan. He is transfixed by music in which he is listening to music at all times so intently that he's not listening to anybody. And 
I can't imagine something more frustrating than trying to get simple information out of a partner or friend when I'm on a trip with them. If he was autistic, this would make sense to us, but it's not. Maybe. (laughs) No, but he's just, you're like trying to ask him some serious questions about where we're going or this is what's happening or letting you know what the plan is. And they're just singing lyrics at you, not even looking at you. And I'm just like, am I dead? Am I a ghost? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's very weird. He's a very weird character. Uh, I can't say whether I like him or dislike him because he's really neither here nor there on the plot. Really, truly. Except that he's anachronistic and that he's this rapper football fan that's transfixed by rap music and R&B. And yeah. getting getting jiggy with it? Is that what he's doing? No, getting be. jiggy is like, is that sex? I think getting jiggy with it is having sex. I'll be honest with you. When getting jiggy with it, the song came out, I assumed it was the dance move yeah. Will Smith was doing. He was like getting jiggy with it. And then he would just like wave his arms, like little T-Rex arms and shit yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I always assumed that was getting That's jiggy, getting jiggy with, with it. But it makes it sound like there's more to it than that. Maybe. All I know is I didn't I didn't have my opinion on what getting jiggy with it was shattered until I watched the, the recent Jumanji movie and the guy used it in the context of wanting to hook up with a girl. Okay, see. and I was like, oh, maybe that's what it meant. Yeah, but it seems to me that on in both connotations of the word, this man is more interested in getting jiggy with things than he is doing anything else in, well, the, in life. The football game is really important to them. But when they stop to go camping... Well, by the way, here, here's something that I, f- I want to point out to people. Um, Paris Hilton, and I have evidence down to this day, a friend of mine messaged me, asked me what I was doing before we started the podcast. And I said, I'm, I'm just about to start a podcast. She asked me what we're doing the episode on. I responded with House of Wax 2005. Her next comment was, oh, the one with Paris Hilton. (laughs) So I feel really bad for Alicia Cuthbert in this because she's the star of this film. She is. And no one remembers that. I I do. Alicia, I do. And she does a fucking kick-ass job in this Mm -hmm. movie. Really, truly, I think, anyway. But hey... Yeah, Paris Hilton stole the show in a way. In a, in a weird way, because even though she does contribute to the plot, she's not the whole plot. Maybe um, that's the whole whatever happened to Baby Jane reference. reference whatever happened to Alicia Cuthbert. Yeah. Um, I feel like she's probably pretty successful now. I don't know any recent stuff that she's done, but like, I had to Google what Paris Hilton was up to. She's a she's primarily a DJ and and like has other stuff in the in the suit. She's almost forty. Yeah, 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 that makes some sense. That makes some sense. Um, so these are teens who are just teetering on the edge of like, I can't understand how these people are friends. And mm-hmm. I totally get how these people are friends because they're sort of like, they're not as ragtag of, of a ragtag group that you usually find in a minivan. They have two vehicles mm-hmm. flying in the face of all horror film history. So they have two vehicles and they are sort of... Um, a, a believable group of kids. You have Alicia Cuthbert who plays the lead role of a twin sister to this other man whose name I could never remember. Uh, uh, Chad Michael Murray is yeah. the actor, but um, yeah. And he is like the no good Nick. He was also involved in football, but he, he got kicked off the team and he's, he's uh, run into some trouble. He always seems to blame other people. And um, 
now he's with his sister and he's kind of surly. He's always just stalking around and... I don't mind him being skulky. I think it fits because Carly's sort of like bright and rainbowy and happy and mm-hmm. doesn't want anyone to really be negative. She wants everything kind of roasted into glasses and you have her surly brother Nick who's like hoodie up and being glowery. He is glowery. He's the type of dude that would listen to Disturbed in 2005. Oh, completely. <sighs> And then alongside that, you Paris Hilton and her boyfriend, Jared Padalecki, who I guess is Carly's boyfriend. His yeah. name's Wade. And yeah. that is the group alongside their other friend, whose name I can't remember. <laughs> he's sort of like the stoner, if there was supposed to be a stoner in this group, but he's not. He's the mesh-back, long-haired, sort of like, I don't know, CKY kind of guy. Yeah, goofy. Like, you know he's goofy because his hat is at a jaunty angle. Yeah, he's like Bam Margera. He is like, yeah, he probably, he is like, he's like, oh man, kids love jackass. Get a guy in there that's like fucking like that. Mm -hmm. Except you have Carly continually telling him to calm the hell down and stop videotaping her. Yeah, and that again, like there's weird aspects of uh, almost found footage in this where scenes remind me of the houses that October built. But again, this is really just a product of its time. They were really throwing a lot of stuff in here they did it pretty well because we're only noticing it here because we got our little checklist of being like it's like this movie it's like that movie and Mm -hmm. when you're watching it though you're not sitting there going oh man this is just a rehash of this or that Mm -hmm. it's only because we're sitting back now and getting like this big picture yeah to talk about it which typically you don't do right so they did it pretty seamlessly to throw in all these little things that we like Mm mm-hmm there is a point in which there is a, a, a mysterious, sinister-looking truck, and it invades their campsite. And My just, brain's like, sinister-looking trucks? Check! <laughs> yeah, and again, you're you're watching this, and you're like, oh, it's fucking Jeepers Creepers or yeah. something. Uh, high tension. <clears throat> high tension, yeah. Or Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. I, I like creepy trucks, man. Me too. This one is just as muck-covered and brown and rusty as... Any any one of those trucks. Uh, so how does how does Nick fuck this up? So Nick, he seems to be just watching them, and I don't know if what he does next escalates things or if it's all just part of it because there does seem to be this um, House of a Thousand Corpses daisy chain of murder that goes down in this idea. It's like, oh, you got car trouble? We'll go to this place. Oh. You got car trouble? Well, come up to the house. And it seems to be like this, da-da, da da you got to get to this town, and this person's going to send you there. And then when you're in the town, this person's going to send you to the house, and then this person is going to actually kill you, and then turn you into, like, a, a wax body and shit. And all you can do is run back to the last person who's in on it, and run back to the last person who's also in on it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Never saw that coming. Yeah, so... But you can't even be mad at it, because it's pulled off pretty well it is pulled off pretty well and again when you're a horror fan and you're into this type of movie you're along for the ride you know it's it's not so much that you don't know you know what's going on in the kitchen you don't know how the sauce is made it's more so that you enjoy it so much that you just like a well-delivered product yeah also, they're also calling you out while the character Wade keeps calling himself out. Like, oh, well, I assume that that hellbelly 
was a, was an asshole or a freak or or tricking us so i'm the asshole mm-hmm. or i assumed this about that place i'm the asshole mm-hmm. i walked in there without asking i'm the asshole yeah. i assume this guy was into you i'm the asshole so he's kind of doing that to us as the audience like oh i mm-hmm. assumed that they were going to make this guy the killer i'm the asshole for thinking that yeah to be fair though that guy is so snoopy he is like a cat in the new house just in everything so they've encountered this creepy truck that was sort of stalking them overnight and they have some car trouble the next day the um, fan belt there yeah fan belt snapped and it was brand new it was brand new what a weird like it does it's like that's unusual like anyone watching this movie wouldn't suspect that someone just deliberately sabotaged the fan belt so they go for a walk to this place they had seen advertised on the side of the road too a house of wax is in this town of like 300 and some people is what it's advertised as on the sign yeah so a very small little town that they're led to by not an asshole the other brother daryl so while they're looking for a garage to find a new fan belt the garage is closed and they're told that they can wait they go and investigate this house of wax He's the one that was interested in going to the House of Wax, and he's in there snooping around, and he's trying to melt things with a lighter. It's so weird. He's he's snoopy. He's vaguely destructive. They both can't go anywhere without breaking shit. Like, even before they're getting chased by things. Because Carly straight up breaks one of the, the wax figurines. But this is not like a Madame Tussauds... Go and get your picture with, like, fucking Beyonce. It's It's seems to be an entire house made of wax, and there's a bunch of dummies in it pretending as if they're, like, sitting down for dinner or they're dancing or whatever. But they're not famous people. They're just wax figures. Just wax figures going about what seems to be a busy, although regular, day. I suppose, in this house that is, yeah, entirely made of wax, which is cool because that's one of those things that I didn't expect. You know, you expect House of Wax, it's going to be like Waxworks, or it's going to be like House of Wax. It's going to be like Madame Tussauds. It's going to be like the House of Frankenstein or whatever. It's going to be a, a row of celebrities. There's your Liberace, there's your Elvis. They're made of wax. Yay. Nothing else around them is. In here, it's like, the table, the candlesticks, let alone the candles on the candlesticks, the figurines, the plates in the kitchen, everything is made of wax. Yeah. And the house itself, like, it's crazy. So they seem, like, both impressed, but also they want to go. Um, Carly, the character, is terrified of everything. She's terrified of the roadkill guy. She's terrified of the town. They walk into a church while a service is going on. A funeral. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, and then they also uh, that's when they encounter Bo uh, like, all in his black suit and shit like that and he tells them give him a half an hour. They wait. They go into the gas station. They just start, again, snooping around. They start... He leaves <clears throat> a bill on the counter and is just like, I'm gonna grab the belt I need. The belt I need isn't here. I need a 16-inch belt. They got like 15s, or I need a 15. I'll take the 16 or whatever. And he's like, I'm just pawing my way through this fucking shit. Like an asshole. Yeah, and he's just like, well, the door was unlocked. I'm like, that doesn't mean that you go inside a place. That's the biggest transgression that begins all hellbelly horror. Doesn't he know that? You walk in unannounced. You need the phone. Let's just walk in this country farmhouse because they don't they don't care about boundaries. I am from the city. I'm more important. Ugh. 
which is crazy because he is the one who doesn't want to move to New York. He's from a small town. He likes small towns. He enjoys small towns. Maybe it's because he feels homogenized there automatically because he's from a small town. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Now I'm bitching about a fictional character. Great. <laughs> um, I think that um, all the things that are going on here is to <clears throat> make you doubt the obvious red herrings like when you encounter characters you're in a small town you're automatically trained since 1974 we're trained not to to trust anyone in a small town we're not really you can't trust a man in overalls lydia are you <laughs> kidding me man in overalls in a sketchy truck that has exactly. a knife on his belt that's pawing through a pile of carcasses and trying to tell you that this mannequin hand is just a mannequin hand. Yeah. It's like, you can't trust a guy no. like that. You can't trust a guy with a white shirt stained yellow. Are you kidding me? No. Why not you just fucking throw your life away? You're going to trust this guy who says, oh, I got the fan belt you need up at the house. Why don't you both come on up to the house? Yeah. Uh, and again, when... Uh, I keep wanting to call him Dean because that's the name of his character in Gilmore Girls. <laughs> but like, uh, ever since um, Wade goes in there to use the bathroom. By the way, like he's a dude and you got to pee. Just fucking pee in the bush, dude. Yeah, right. I know. And there was already some guys peeing in the bushes moments before. We know they're yeah. capable of it. But he goes to the guy's house, and again, it's not like he's like bathrooms right there. He doesn't just go to the bathroom. He just starts looking through the house. And I'm like, in front of the owner, too. In front of Bo. Bo's right there. And he's like, making like it's a museum. It's not a fucking museum. It looks a little hardery. I will give it that. But he's like, glancing around and almost snooping. It's like... Well, he like, starts grabbing like, old medical devices and and shit. And like, Bo's already given them a little bit of an info dump about the the people who had the house of wax and and the fact that the father was got in trouble for some unauthorized unlicensed surgery we'll say and um and that type of stuff so there's a lot of old-timey medical devices looks like they're from like the 20s and which right away you put two and two together you're sort of like oh so this is the house that they lived in yeah okay and there's a lot of evidence to suggest that the two boys that went into an orphanage didn't but it doesn't matter because as he's snooping, he's going to get snipped. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite injuries in horror movie history oh, has I- got to be the Achilles tendon trauma. And I've been afraid of Achilles tendon trauma since I was a little kid. Me too. Once I heard about it, oh, and the muscle rolls up into your... I'm just like... Ugh. <laughs> It sounds like it's so painful. And it's also something that anything can inflict on you. Like a kid. A kid could do that. Thanks, Gage. You know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, no fair. No fair. So um, he gets snipped. He gets booted out. He gets, you know, trapped in the house, basically. Mm-hmm. Outside, we have his girlfriend. Carly's still in the truck waiting with Bo, sort of coming at her in a way that is somewhat menacing and she's very nervous because her boyfriend's not back out of the house yet so she locks herself in the truck which i thought was a very ballsy move very cool move in a way she has a couple of those through this movie too which she's just very expertly written as a quick thinking girl mm-hmm. and i really like that who who isn't lulled into a false sense of security like i mean in a way it does seem kind of shitty like it almost strikes me as like the the hot 
blooded city kids coming into a small town. She's also just very jumpy and paranoid all the time. She's proven that. She's skittish. Yeah. Someone who's seen enough horror movies to know that, no, I'll wait in the car. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not going out there. And it's starting to get dark. And there's uh, just, she's been on edge since they got there. She's been on edge. And there's something just off about this town. It's so... I mean, it's it's not too unusual for a small town here in Ontario of just like a couple hundred people and and whatnot. But it seems so out of time. It seems so. Um, it seems so in love with something vaguely vaudeville about it. Something vaguely thirties, forties about it. Um, I mean, it doesn't help that a lot of the wax figures are like fucking in flapper dresses and and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So. Which is weird because the brothers, we'll find out, aren't really that old. So it's a, it's, it's a wonder why they're enamored with that type of culture. Like, are they... Re- they're replacing their mother's original town of wax. Because later on we see the one of the many little reveals through this is that it was a town of wax. Mm -hmm. Not only is it a town of wax for our purposes, because they've been killing people, dragging people off the interstate for 10 years to populate this town of wax. It's always been a town of wax. Their mother created a town of wax, not just a house of wax. The whole town was her creation. So they've been repopulating it. The one brother is very skilled at creating wax sculptures. Very, very skilled, in fact. As skilled as their mother was. So... Did their mother kill people too? Has it always been corpses and they have to replace them? Is that why they're maintaining a flapper look? Because those are very old sculptures? Or are they replacing not not dead people that their mother had created with her own hands? The first wax sculpture we see destroyed is the maid in the kitchen in the house of wax. And when she breaks, it's just a hollow wax statue. Yeah. Which tells me that at least some of the wax figures have to be originals. Yeah. And not dead people. Yes. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> so when they kill Wade okay. and then park him at the piano like they do. Yeah. Uh, in, in a nice scene, you know, you sort of get a sense of how they would do this as far as... Um, rendering a person naked clean and hairless and then coating them with wax and letting them die in this wax shell basically and then posing them wherever they want them they have him posed at a piano dressed somewhat contemporary not really it's not like he's kind of out of time but the flapper girl she could have been like i don't know a hippie she could have been some friggin new metal fan yeah they just pulled off the interstate and dressed her like that to replace something of their mother so maybe they want it to be trapped in a time when their mother was alive Mm -hmm. i suppose no it's not too out of place as far as small town northern ontario that's for sure because a lot of things don't have to change in a small town everything works okay but no one comes out of the house when they're yelling and screaming no one comes to the house when they houses when they smash windows no one comes out of the houses when they're honking horns in any small town people are busybody enough that they would come to the window well there is one girl that comes to the window yeah that's true just looking out the old curtains then pulling them back for eternity for eternity (laughs) for now and eternity 
you know, the, 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 the interesting trick that they do is the first time that they ever go into the church, I mean, that is a real priest that's looking at them. That's an actor. But then the next time they go in there, it's definitely a wax sculpture. It can show you how they're throwing, they're throwing you off. Hugely. Hugely. Um, the puppies, if you get a good look at them the first time she goes to encounter the puppies in the window of the pet store, which is a brightly lit normal pet store, you expect someone to come jingling the bell on their way out the door any minute. The puppies are wagging their little tails. It's later on that you see that there are wax sculptures as well, and they're little uh, automatons, and the little tail is like on timer or motion sensor or something. Mm-hmm. So, like, but the first time you see it, there's something off about it. The first time you see that girl open her window so mechanically, there's something off about it. So I really enjoyed that feeling throughout this film. And you keep expecting something to move among all of these wax dummies. And there's so many wax sculptures in this town. You keep expecting at least one more of them because you get that trick played on you with the dog. Wade encounters the dog, thinks it's wax, approaches the dog until the dog moves. And they do a very good job with this dog actor. That's good dog acting. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm a big fan of like the movie theater. I love mm-hmm. I love that um I love that uh Miss Ambrose is there and like who knows who that originally was, just like the former the former hottest uh chick that they probably pulled off the road. Um I love that the the movie is just like playing whatever happened to baby Jane forever and ever, amen. Just <laughs> Which could have been some sort of homage, some sort of statement about the brothers, mm-hmm. or it could have just happened to be the film that they had when the town shut down only 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. There's been some criticisms um, amongst other people who've reviewed this film that it only shut down 10 years ago. Like, come on. Mm-hmm. But a small town like that could have been trapped in time for 40 years beforehand. No one much would have traveled there for yeah. 40 fucking years, let alone the last 10 when it's basically wiped off the map. Just forgotten Mm -hmm. that could totally happen it could totally happen and also who knows what they had in terms of like film stock in the theater like you don't know like how do you know it wasn't like a second run theater and they just got in whatever they could get in and they would just do like retrospective matinees like the Mayfair Theater does that all the time and a lot of them are from Lee's collection Lee owns a lot of uh, projectionists and theater owners own films so it's not a stretch of the imagination and for all we know it's like there's multiple old film stock back there but that's for again it's just one of their favorites and it's and it's plenty creepy like I don't need I don't need, like, logically, like, whoa, hang on a second here. If it's 2005, that means that this town shut down in 1995. <laughs> so why why isn't the theater playing fucking Batman forever? I'm like, I don't need it to, like, make... It could be second-run theater, like you said. And how yeah. old is Jason Voorhees? That's the other thing, right? But, like, but again, I was like, do you want to know, like, the real reason why they're playing... Whatever happened to Baby Jane? It's fucking creepy. That's yeah. why they're doing it. It's a creepy old fucking movie. That makes sense. And and that's really what they're doing. It's all about the aesthetic. It's like, you know, does everyone in a horror movie, like, why do so many people still have, like, phonographs in their houses? I'm like, because it's fucking creepy. It, it disturbs people. Yeah. When you see a phonograph, it seems off. That's how come... 
like, um, you know, a lot of these Conjuring movies, I feel like are really successful because they're all taking place in like the 50s and 60s and 70s. It's Something like, these people tapped into because that is who wrote this shit, right? Yeah. It's the same people. So, of course, it worked and it keeps working and mm-hmm. it probably worked in the 30s and the 40s too to set things back 20, 30 years. Things mm-hmm. that were archaic and barely understood, like rotary dial telephones. Yeah, and, and you needed to <clears throat> explain away why, why uh, like, you know, fantastical things don't seem to happen anymore. It's like, oh, all these, uh, all these vampire films take place in, like, the 1800s, even though they came out in, like, the 1930s and 60s and shit like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I digress. It works. It thematically makes a lot of sense. It looks great. It like the theater looks like a grand old timey like uh, theater house that oh, you would completely. see back in the heyday of, of movie theaters, and you would get this sense that like someone who is into like really old school Hollywood, like Houses of Wax, are really old school fucking Hollywood things. So if you were a person who wanted to create those type of things, you would romanticize mm-hmm. the golden age of cinema. You would romanticize that type of stuff like the people that you would want to make would be like Clark Gable and Rock Hudson and and uh you know Jimmy Stewart and these old-timey actors maybe even going back even farther you would you would want to do like Charlie Chaplin and and shit so like I totally I totally understand uh the aesthetic and it works great for this town Particularly since like everything in the town is is like this, so it's really of a piece. And- yeah, I'm definitely thinking of the gas station, which is not all made of wax, but there must have been other wax dummies that had originally been in there before Bo removed it to have it as a front for whatever it is that you know. I, I believe it is just to finish the town and put it back into its former glory as her mother had. So he has this gas station where all of the accoutrement the gas station all the tools in the gas station all the signage of the gas station the gas pumps in the gas station how the price of gas probably is all trapped in that era as well Mm -hmm. but it's supposed to be some sort of modern front where he's supposed to be able to lure in or speak with or converse with these people without them really catching wise Mm -hmm. that this place is off to the extent that it is he does a better job in the beginning of his ruse than he does by the time uh, Carly's brother shows up. By then, mm-hmm. it's just like... But that being said, he's a very suspicious person anyway. He doesn't like people. He certainly doesn't like this guy. He just wants to know where his sister is so they can go. And this is where there's some stretchy time things. If I had any criticism about this movie, it's stretchy <clears throat> time. And it's around this time where the, the, our group is split up. Some of them have headed back to the town. Some of them have tried to go to this football game or whatever that seems so important that they don't have tickets for, which is ridiculous, but they've turned back and two of them are camping. So it's just sort of a mess of time in a way, because you would think that they're miles and miles and miles down the road where Paige and Blake are. You'd think it's like 10 miles down the road where Paige and Blake are camping out to have sex. And it seems like miles away and hours away. And it's really got to be about five minutes down the road that we discover later. But there seems to be like a big amount of time that it takes Nick to come back to the town where he goes on a big search of the town Mm -hmm. with Dalton and then loses Dalton entirely and then finds his sister 
eventually because she's underground underneath the gas station. Like it seems like there's so much going on that would have had to happen at the moment of nightfall. Yeah, it would have had to have. Uh, and like, yeah, like, like it, it definitely seems again, you can excuse, you can excuse uh, the multiple killer thing. Well, this killer was doing this. Well, that killer is doing that. The only one that seems to actually do any of the waxing is Vincent himself. Mm-hmm. And who we don't see without his mask. <laughs> yes. So you can't really have, you know, him being in the place of Bo or Bo being in the place of him ever. No, exactly. And it seems like he barely even has the ability to speak. And Bo seems super preoccupied with trying to keep Carly under control and then his brother Again, like, I love how um, in these types of uh, more visceral, more gory horror movies, like, a lot of characters can take a lot of punishment, and then it hurts in the moment, but then you never see them really worrying about it afterwards. I mean, Alicia Cuthbert does look at her finger eventually. Yeah. But yes, what happens to her? She gets the tip of her index finger snipped off. With tin snips. Yeah, and and not only that, but she has to basically rip her mouth open because it's super glued shut. Mm-hmm. And so, like, any one of those injuries would be pretty, like, I mean, I'm not saying they're lethal, but they would keep bothering her, particularly that finger. That would be throbbing. Like, I've had the end of my finger cut off before. I'm pretty sure. And I think this is maybe horror experiment territory. The only other horror experiment that I can think of with this film is, like, I'm going to break into your house, and then when you come home from work, let's see if you can detect me sneaking around inside. <laughs> right? Because I think you would hear me. Probably. But, yeah. The other horror experiment is, let me super glue your mouth shut, and then I'll snip the index finger tip off and see if you don't scream your mouth open. Because because you fucking would. Yeah. The super glue is pretty tough, but it's not that tough. Yeah, as particularly like it doesn't bond skin like people like it, it, it specifically is not supposed to bond skin. And like, it will bond like a, a little layer. Your skin has lots of layers and yeah. one can rip off pretty rattly any kid this time of year with her tongue on a metal post outside will tell you that. Mm-hmm. And you, you can live to tell the tale of having your lips glued together then pulled apart um so she would have definitely screamed her fucking mouth open at that Mm -hmm. point so having her fingers snipped off mostly soundlessly and then being able to just sort of paw her mouth open i don't buy it but hey is this era where people like you had said it can endure comic book levels of torture and just keep on trucking because within minutes she's like Okay, we gotta find Wade. Come on, let's go. Grab this thing and I'll come chasing after you and I'll use my hands to grip things as I clamber along this underground weird fucking maze and not wince once. No, and not not favor it, not <clears throat> really acknowledge that it happens. And and that's the thing that's so funny. It's like they do it for in the moment, in the moment it's cringy and, and wince inducing. Yeah. And bleeds a lot. And bleeds a lot. But then after that's done, they're like, okay, well we don't need, that was that. And now we're moving on. Yeah. It's, it's almost like, you know, people dying and, and, pe- and people just like, oh no, wait. And then they're like, forget him. We got to go. And then <laughs> that's, the, the last old, you hear from him yeah, until somebody asks where he is. Yeah. yeah. And it's like the only backwards glance you have any time for, because again, we're moving forward. It doesn't ruin anything for me. That's just an aspect of this genre. Yeah. Um, 
that I notice when they don't do more than I notice when they do. But it works so much better with movies where a person is getting the shit beat out of them bit by bit through the movie, and they are a limping, wincing, heaving, seething wreck by the end of it. It's mm-hmm. so much more heart-wrenching. But, hey, we got there. Super tough Alicia Cuthbert. Gets her finger cut off and her lips glued shut, and she's good to go. It's true. Yeah. When they start realizing that people around them have already been killed, like, for example, they encounter their friend who was decapitated quite quickly. Like, not a lot of fanfare, not a lot of, like, dialogue. He's chased for maybe a couple of minutes, and then he gets his head cut off. No, the ruthlessness of Vincent as a killer is is remarkable here, and I wouldn't have minded seeing... I don't know if there is a sequel. I doubt it, but, like, I I wouldn't mind seeing one, because this Vincent as a killer is... uh, ruthless wonderful mm-hmm. person um can decapitate somebody with two knives really quickly he's like the- they're like novelty knives that you get at like a, a knife kiosk in the mall like yeah, they right. have like molded handles and <laughs> they're really interesting looking knives and he has several of them because everyone seems to die by knife being knifed in this <clears throat> in this film but um yeah i like though before he gets decapitated when he encounters wade at the piano and he starts trying to get him out of the wax that is covering him just keeps pulling his skin off and he's pulling his skin off going sorry sorry oh oh sorry and it's hilarious to me yeah while wade silently cries yeah yeah oh so touching it's crazy that he could survive that process i i i guess we're supposed to believe that most of these people have Right, and they've only had glass eyes put in later on, or wax eyes fashioned after the fact. So the, for the first little while, it's them in there just being silently tortured. Horrible, horrible way to go, I suppose. Um, and I think that the airlessness of it all would actually mummify them. So when we see corpses later on being shot um, with this sawed-off shotgun and blowing heads apart, where it's all dry and full of bugs and dust. I think that would be pretty accurate because mm-hmm. you would keep all of those fluids inside that would slowly break down and do nothing but desiccate. Yeah. I suppose. It's possible. I mean, there's also the food store that still has like um, like maggots and roaches going through things. And you'd wonder if this has been 10 years, that's all got to have been rotten and taken care of already. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Very strange. Very strange. A lot of stuff doesn't add up, like time and food rotting. Yeah. But that doesn't ruin anything for me because um, the one thing that I'll talk about is like Paris Hilton and her boyfriend seem to be on the cusp of having sex for like what seems like six hours. Pretty much because the sun like begins to set and fully sets. And, you know, people have lived and died in the time that it took her to take her shirt off. Take her shirt off and down to her, her, her bra and panties. But he can't get it going because someone turned off that his um, his music. And, like, she's in the middle of trying to tell him something serious. He's like, wait, wait, wait. I don't know, let me just go handle the music. He needs the music on. And she's trying to tell him about the fact that she might be pregnant. We mm-hmm. don't know. Mm-hmm. But uh, then she's going to get chased into... This really makes you wonder about time and space because she ends up going to, a like, a warehouse. And we've never seen this place before. We don't know how close it is to the town, but it has to be close enough because this is um, serving as a 
car and body graveyard supply stuff. Like it's not bodies, but it's like all of their stuff, their their travel bags, yeah. cell phones, vehicles. Boxes, cell phones, and all sorts of luggage just strewn about. And like luckily in something like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, we know how far <laughs> away these things are because we know where people went to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have an idea in wrong turn because other people are chased around in these areas and mm-hmm. we have an idea of how long it takes to run to these areas this is the first time we ever seen this fucking place and yeah. we thought that they were camping in the middle of nowhere way mm-hmm. way way down the road from where the rest of their friends are mm-hmm. but no they're like you know they could probably yell real loud and hear them yeah like it's surreal because yeah. she runs from their secluded campground into this warehouse where she gets a fucking post right through her head in another fairly ruthless kill mm-hmm. and ruthless treatment of a corpse after by yeah. Vincent. Really good kill. Yeah, really much in the same way that, you know, he has a pretty flagrant disregard for um, stabbing her boyfriend, like steps on the knife to drive it in, to drive it in and stuff like that. He just kind of like puts a foot on her to pull the pipe out because she's sitting there knelt forward with a pipe in her head and it's a really great shot and again like it goes to show you that like you know Paris Hilton seemed up for it she didn't need there was nothing really glamorous about it she seemed to either really want to be in a movie or very specifically it seemed as though she was a fan of horror and wanted to die in a horror movie in a really gruesome way and not just right at the beginning all of a sudden she wasn't in a nameless corpse she wasn't playing a corpse in CSI like yeah so many people enjoy doing it she had like a very meaty role and had a very meaty death. Let me ask you a question, Liz. What? Where do you get all that wax? Where do you get all that wax? I don't fucking know. I was like astounded by this, that they must just have a wax museum on standby that could, you know, like guide them through all of this. I mean, I don't even know. If this was a house of clay, I wouldn't know where you get that much clay. If this was a house of fucking macaroni, I wouldn't... Well, I'd have an idea. Your store, man. You just go <laughs> to the store. Got a lot of macaroni, but I don't know. Like there, There is a big candle racket in this planet. Like There's party light candles made of soy. There's old paraffin candles that stink. There's religious candles. There's little red candles. Down in Chinatown, you get all kinds of different candles. So there's lots of wax in the world to be had. But to be like, yo, I need a truckload of wax to make a fucking town? Because it wasn't all CG. No. And, and But even like within the narrative of the movie... Where do they get all this wax? Where do you seem to have like an unending supply of wax? Are they making wax? It's possible. Do they have like a bunch of bees? A bunch of bees. <laughs> My grandmother had bees. We didn't have a lot of wax because wax was for the bees. You couldn't just, you don't, they don't like make that much wax, man. They just don't. So like, no. Uh, did we see giant vats of chemicals? We saw vats of stuff. I thought it was vats of wax. Because they have vats of wax that is heated up to spray down the corpses. But there's other vats, so they could very well be making wax. I don't know. If their mother had, like, is there a wax mining operation in the back? I don't know. Because it's not as though the house is coated in wax. It is, like, foundation to roof made of fucking wax. Yeah, yeah. The plates in the kitchen are made of wax on a shelf. That is made of wax that is attached to a wall that is made of wax proven 
by the end of the film when the whole house is melting and they're clawing their way through walls. And yeah. like the door that they slam to keep Vincent out is starting to melt. So he just sort of smooshes <clears throat> his way through it. Yeah. They go running across the bed, the mattress, their feet sink into it, going up the stairs, which is a lovely nightmare fuel scene. If someone yeah. has not had this, you know, they try to replicate this in, uh, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. They do. And we'd recently watched Nightmare on Elm Street 3, where it's very prominent, the whole running and muck thing. So they do this very, very well, where Nick is trying to go up the stairs and his feet are sinking into this. Oh, it's wonderful. But where do they get this much wax? Fuck, I don't know, man. They stole it all. Because it's a lot of wax. Mm-hmm. And and you would assume that over a decade, you would need to continuously get more wax. So I don't know if it's a surplus of... Their parents originally, she had this dream of doing all this wax, so you needed all this wax, and so... They have it all? They 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 brought it in with untold wealth. Because that's the other thing. I don't even know how much it would cost to get that much wax. I don't know if this is an expensive thing or a not expensive thing. Wax isn't super expensive. Like, you can get big slabs of paraffin wax at craft stores and stuff like that, and you can whip wax to fluff it up so it's sort of like the difference of taking like uh, a small stick of margarine and whipping it up so that you can increase its volume with air which a lot of the wax in this does look like whipped wax that has been increased in volume it looks like a blend of some sort of waxes as well so it's really hard to tell how much they would have paid to make these things in the world of this film it's really hard to tell that could survive rain, hot days, cold days, extreme winds, people's body weight, like people just walking up and down this property and never damaging anything. We're treated to scenes of Vincent repairing his own face, so he must run around town repairing everything all of the time. Constantly. Mm-hmm. I made a bunch of crosses when I was younger out of wax, and they lasted for years and years and years and years and years and years and years. But then again, they were untouched on a shelf. Yeah. yeah. It's like a staircase of solid wax seems like it wouldn't last. But I don't know. Like, maybe I'm maybe I'm foolish. Like, maybe... There was a chain saying no admittance. <clears throat> so maybe they just built it and then never went up there. That's true. Um, it's a fucking wild level of um, pageantry that these brothers have gone through. And it's really difficult to say why... You get a sense that um, Vincent is, is being controlled by Bo, obviously. That's the dominant brother. But d- does he just want to kill people because he's the evil one and he's coerced his brother into doing it because his brother is the artist? Or what is like what is the goal here? Is it just to populate this town to honor their family's wishes? Or is it he cares more about just killing people and he's lying to his brother saying it's about honoring their mother's Vision, like what do you think it is? Yeah, they is? needed a line there to help us out because I mean, it would make sense to me. I'm like, wax is expensive nowadays. We don't have enough wax left to recreate all of mom's things, so we'll kill people and coat them in wax, which ultimately takes less wax to do. So then we can finish the town and then open for business? Question mark. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what their their point is. Their point is to entertain us. Their point is to entertain us, and they do a good job. When um, when uh, Bo is down for the count, he's got a bunch of arrows in him, and then Carly just 
beats the shit out of him with a baseball bat. It's fantastic. I love this sequence. I would have liked it more if they took it more to like a cartoon level of gore. Like if they just caved his whole head in, that would be really cool. Mm -hmm. They get close though. It would have been fitting in a way if they would have caved in one side of his face as much as his brother's is and then had him keep going. Mm Because he would have been a very menacing villain at that point with like a half of a face and exposed brain or something. Yeah. But when this house goes up in flames, like it goes fast, as you would assume something made of wax would. No, and all the time working with uh, making candles and stuff like that as a kid, my grandmother and her friends had always said to be very careful because wax is flammable. We weren't working with like a softer wax, like beeswax or soy wax, which a lot of these more safe candles. Like if you've dealt with candle wax and you can like drip a whole bunch on your hand or buy, you can buy essential candles that are made to drip on people. And it doesn't hurt because it's like a very low melting point wax. But working with something with a high paraffin or there's other waxes. I don't know. I'm not a wax expert, but there are waxes that have a very high melting point and they are extremely hot. And if you've been scalded by candle wax before, and I know you have, (laughs) yeah, like I have, a lot of people have, you, you know how painful that can be and how hot that can be. If you got it a little bit more hotter during the, the forming process, it could catch fire like it does in this. So it's not it's not like a big vat of fucking gas that they pour. It's hot wax. Hot paraffin wax or something like that. Um, that burns like fucking napalm. And th- this melting house is, is really beautiful to behold. And like, honestly, all the work that they did to do this in practical. I know that there is some CG, but like the practical effects look CGs and miniatures, which I was <clears throat> I really enjoyed the the use of different scale miniatures mm-hmm. so that it's believable because you can certainly have an eye for what what gravity does as far as the meniscus of a fluid, and we're all pretty knowledgeable when it comes to wax. At least us gothic inclination mm-hmm. types are. So you can pretty much readily spot a miniature. Oh, yeah. And Goth is right. Like, you would think that, like, beneath this house, it was, like, constructed by, like, Anne Rice. Yeah. Just, like, all the the wax, melted wax heads and just, like, the infinite candles just, like, seemingly growing out of the walls themselves and the long uh, staircases. Very romantic. Very, like you had said, Quasimodo. um Frankenstein's monster type stuff. I think this will also trigger people who have a fear of dolls and that sort of uncanny valley problem because <clears throat> there's a lot of like very realistic wax dummies as well as just faces, almost like mannequin faces built into one wall, very reminiscent of uh, Leatherface's domain. Although it's all monotone, which gives it an even more creepy look, I think, a very creepy aesthetic. But yeah, it is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful ending to a movie. And that is what I would think would have been the scene that was the takeaway that was seared in your memory. No, a random scene in which someone throws a beer bottle at a car and busts out its window. That's what I remember. Although watching (laughs) the movie in the melting house scene, I did remember all of it. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember all this. Mm -hmm. Um when you're dealing with with the young Vincent, who is the the surviving brother in the last moments, it makes sense. He's the movie monster version of this. He'd be Leatherface if, if this was uh, the Sawyer family. But uh, when you're dealing with this, and he's got his wax mask, and he pulls it off, the um, the effect of missing half of his face because they were conjoined twins that were he was attached to his brother's back and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um. 
it's a pretty great sequence. I like the simplicity of it just being like a giant ass, like Michael Myers knife. I like the look of the, the character and stuff like that. Um, again, having, um, I think if they wanted to really lean into the sibling thing, you could have had each one of Carly and, uh, or Carla, sorry. Or is it Carly? It's Carly. Carly and her brother, um, Nick take, taking on each one of, the brothers that would have been like, if you really wanted to lean into this, but instead it's like two V one. Yeah. Uh, in both cases. Yeah. In both cases. Yeah. Um, then when they're escaping the house, like it's, it's, it's pretty, it's, it's pretty nicely done. They have like a pretty on the nose scene. where like the Very brothers, so. the brothers fall on top of each other back in the position in which they were originally attached <laughs> Which is a very fitting, of course. It's very poetic, and you have the other siblings clawing their way out of this house. Out of in in the the house of wax, Marky, like the 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 title of the movie. The characters are like basically claw, crawling their way through a lot melts around them. Yeah, if they would have waited like five or six more years before making the DVD menu for this, they would have definitely been able to utilize that. But yeah, it's it's a very fitting ending. Mm-hmm. It ends with a little more expository police action where you have the twins in the back of an ambulance explaining what they've just gone through to the police and the police explaining back to them how this town's been abandoned for 10 years and... You know, they're lucky that they were even spotted, that people saw the smoke from the fire, because otherwise they wouldn't have been found. I like the explanation of how can this have been happening and and you guys didn't know about it. And he was just like, well, this town was off the map and seems like they've been picking people off the highway for years. I'm just like, that's not an explanation. Well, not unlike Texas Chainsaw Massacre. How could that go on? How could they? They were exhuming bodies from the cemetery and stuff like that. No one noticed until they noticed. Yeah. So it was an enjoyable thing for Lydia Peck shoved down your throat. Yeah, I think you you normally do a really great job uh, with your Lydia picks. I don't think I've ever been super like disappointed by any of them. Mm, good, good, good. But it was I, nice. Yeah, yeah, it was a fun movie. It maybe isn't so seasonal because we are heading into the new year. We are heading to the new year, but I don't like not so fast because she pointed out. That it's winter. That's why it got dark so fast. Yeah. Which made me bristle because, I mean, granted, it is kind of warm out. It's unseasonably warm out right now. But we're heading into a horrible storm shortly. And it is winter in Canada where there's actual snow. But there was no snow in this winter scene, quote unquote winter scene. So who knows? Maybe it was the end of December. It might have been the end of December, but it is the end of December now. And we're heading into 2020. Barbara Walters is going to just, like, constantly say that to people. Oh, yeah? 2020. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, it's exciting. It's an exciting time. I wish we had a more round number instead of 167. So this is episode 167 to ring in the new year. And coming up next, we're going to keep on this train of movies that had a draw that may have backfired on them. Yeah, we are going to be doing the, the hit... 1980s film waxwork yeah that'll be fun it will be fun uh, i've not seen it in a really long time i have it as part of those like eight movie dvd compilations where you have like a fuck ton of movies i think it's where i have like chopping mall and um chud 2 and 
fucking horror high, I think. Like, just all the goodies. And Waxwork. That is a wonderful... Have you ever been to a wax museum? Never. I've never been to a wax museum. Oh, I highly recommend. Now, there is... um, I believe there is one wax... Like, one wax model at the Bytown Museum. Mm -hmm. They also have a really cool collection of hair there. You and hair. Yeah, it's wonderful. Yeah. (laughs) I highly recommend it as far as their morning jewelry. They have morning tapestries made of hair. It's beautiful stuff. Didn't you write a... You wrote a story about the tapestry of hair. I did. I did. And you have a story... uh, What was it? The the marginalia? Yeah, grave marginalia in... 13 Wicked Tales. It's the Wicked Library Presents anthology. You're obsessed with hair. There is hair in that. There is a hair in a lot of my stories. Let me ask you this about uh, your story, The Grey Marginalia. When the... I was in trying to envision... So there's a scene in that book, or in that short story, in which um, a body is immersing from a, a, a basement. Yeah. And the basement eventually gets paved. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So am I like a house of wax? Is it like the body sinking below the floor, but in reverse? Like it's coming up? Is that how you envision it? More or less. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of like if you have like um, um, a giant thing of rice, but you know, there's pretzels underneath and you shake it and the pretzels will sort of just wiggle their way up oh. through the rice. That's what I'm sort of envisioning this body is doing. Oh. Yeah. I see. I and that's see. how it sort of like melds up. See, that's what I was curious about when I was reading it. I was like, I wonder if this is like liquid metal-y T-1000 style going through the floor or if it's something else. Sort of the backwards way of like if you have had a horrible accident and have much glass embedded in your back, it'll eventually just work its way out of your skin. Mm -hmm. That sort of thing. Almost like the earth itself is trying to remove this toxic irritant Exactly. It's it's rejecting it. Yeah. Hmm. I like it. Not too spooky. We were talking earlier before we started recording how my niece is reading it. Yeah. So it's not like super visceral horror. It's perfect if this were an earlier episode. I'd say it's perfect for Christmas ghost stories. Yes, 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 yes. But if you're if you're if you've outgrown goosebumps and you're ready for your niece is ready for something beyond goosebumps, then you know, Thirteen Wicked Tales is where to go. Or if you're interested in something more action-oriented than Goosebumps, Teresa. Teresa, um, we just finished the sixth issue mm-hmm. of Teresa, and it was a double-stuffed issue. It ended up being thirty-four or thirty-five pages, as opposed to the regular uh, twenty-four. Um, and that was my fault. I remember getting really excited about certain things, and I actually had to cut a whole bunch out because I was like. This is going to happen, and this is going to happen, then we're going to do this, that, and this, and that. And, well, we needed to take our little hiatus. So right now, um, just so our listeners are aware, Teresa is on a break for at least a month, maybe a little bit longer than a month. Uh, but then we're back with um, issue seven, Teresa Beneath the Black Water. Ah, that sounds promising. Yes. Okay. <laughs> fun, fun. So until then, we're going to be coming back with Waxworks, then the eye, and then God knows what, because we're planning by the seat of our pants now. That's right. I like it. <laughs> Me too. And I like you, Lydia. Aw, yeah. I like you, West Snipe. <laughs> You've been listening to Dead Air.